0: Um, how many are excited about the holiday season? Are you really? Okay. Praise the Lord. Uh, Usually around this time of year, I get mixed, mixed reaction on that. So, oh man, you know, I got to remember this and the shopping and, you know, and and other people say, yeah, this is exciting. Praise the Lord. So wherever you're at, whatever camp you're in this morning, I pray that your perspective changes (laughs) and recognize why we do what we do. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, um, anyhow, I just, uh. Going over things, I just want to say I've said this before. This past year, I know we're coming at the end of the year. I've got a, a New Year's. Uh, this is what I did to my staff as a reward for working so hard this year. I gave them some more work. <laughs> Our ministry staff. I mean, they have been. They have been. We literally got online literally in 24 hours. We've never we did equipment anything. We used iPhones or whatever we could get online, and we never missed a beat. Uh, with the pandemic and stuff of preaching the gospel. And it, it was just wonderful. And we went for that, to cameras and lighting and different things we had to, had to do. So I, my staff did such a wonderful job this year. What I said to them, I said, says, says, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service. So guess what? You guys are in charge. You put the whole service together from start to finish, and I'll just sit by. If you want me to do something, I'll just do something. So uh, they come up with an itinerary for it. It's going to be great. And uh, I said, you know what, you did such a good job on the itinerary. And I haven't done the service yet, but it gives it such a good job on the itinerary. I said, go ahead and do the New York thing, too. So praise <laughs> the Lord. So in this church, what happens is you, you get rewarded by more work. Amen? So you better love what you're doing. Hallelujah. Isn't that how God works? Huh? Mm, okay. Praise the Lord. Uh, how about the, the guy with the, with the talents, with the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent? And what happened, who who got the, when he took the one talent away from the guy because he burned it in the earth, I said, who did he give it to? He gave it to the guy with five talents. So the guy had the most return, also did the most work with the most responsibility, he gave him more. Praise the Lord. I see you're excited about that. That's not the message for this morning, hallelujah. Uh, I don't think I'll ever preach that one here. Praise the Lord. I mean, anyway, so, but uh, I, I got thinking this week, I said, you know, in, and I hear this a lot, I'm one that's just, I'm, I'm preaching myself too, but the fact is, we look back over the year and we we, we look in with a perspective of looking past and we say, man, this has been a rough year. I mean, everybody is, seems to be uh, saying the same thing. Be glad when 2020 is over. Uh, um, but I noticed that when we got out of uh, 2019, we said the same thing, but I'm glad this year's over. So, in, in essence, we're always looking for the next year. We don't seem to like where we're at. Uh, But how do we know we like where we're going? (laughs) Every year seems to be the same thing. But here's what the Lord has been pressing upon me, is that we should look at things a little bit differently, look at things the way He sees them. So the title of my message this morning, I'm going to help you do that this morning by the word, but the title of my message this morning is From Heaven's Perspective. Uh, You know, God has a whole different view of the world today, society, than we do. How many know all through the Scriptures, no matter what you uh, see in Scripture, you'll never see Jesus responding to the devil? Now, he'll cast them out, uh, but, that, but not, he doesn't respond to what the devil, uh, uh, his accusations, he responded, uh, even religious leaders, he didn't respond. Remember the, the, the uh, Pharisees got together and said, Lord, give us a sign. Now, give us a sign? He, he rose to the dead. He was healing people left and right. I mean, he, he was restoring people. But they didn't want a sign that he was preparing or, or that was uh, uh, in charity to other people. He wanted a special sign. In other words, do what we want you to do. And if you do what we want you to do, then we'll reward you by believing in you. That was the attitude of the religious leaders back in those days. I still think it's the attitude of some of the uh, church today, some of the religious churches today. Uh, no, the Lord performed for us. Uh, we want to see if you're real. Before we believe in you, we want to see you perform for us. Of course, Jesus wouldn't do that. In the same, uh, in the same note, he didn't, uh, he didn't examine the, the, the plight of the Roman Empire as a failure of the kingdom of God. He never associated man's failure with a failure of his kingdom. Quite the opposite. The, the failure that man, and the failure of man's government, uh, seem to even uh, fuel the, 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 if anything, uh, the kingdom of God and the emphasis on the kingdom of God. So heaven has, when I say heaven has a different perspective than we do, that's that's an understatement. Has a much different, but if, but it has been ingrained in us through the Spirit of Christ that we can have that same perspective. So I choose, even coming this new year, I choose even looking over the last year. I'm not going to look at what the devil has done and say, oh, it's a good year or a bad year based on what He has done. I'm going to listen to what God has said about this past year and what we've accomplished as a church and a ministry, the things that He has given us. Our church has accomplished more things in this past year than probably the last three to four years combined. When you talk about what's important, when you talk about the outreach of the gospel and how far we're reaching, I used to have to get on an airplane. Well, I still will get on an airplane because there's, there's a, a place for that uh, when I can. But the fact is, is, I used to get on an airplane and travel halfway around the world to preach the gospel that I'm doing right now. <laughs> right now, sitting in, in, in my own church, uh, right now. I mean, I'm, I remember going four or five weeks to West Africa. And just and just going from place to place and town to town and begin to preach there. Uh, I remember uh, Chile, going to Chile, South America, well, uh, Central America, uh, Guatemala. Been to Guatemala several times, back and forth, back and forth, and just the gospel. Here I'm doing the same thing in, in in more in multiple nations at the same time. While I'm standing right here, so what the devil has turned around and tried to shut the church down, God has turned back around and opened oh, it up even more. So every time the devil tries to do something to counter God's uh, uh, gospel, he seems to just one-up them. And he's always one step ahead of him. So as far as following, I don't want to follow the world. I want to follow what God's going to do next. Because I can't, I'm, I'm sitting in anticipation. What is he going to do next? <laughs> and I've lived 69 years. I have not, and I can honestly say I have not seen the things that are happening in our world today. I've not seen this in 69 years. But on the other hand, I'm seeing God do much more marvelous things than I've seen in the past 30 years of ministry at least. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I, it's a wonderful hour if we can get the right perspectives. So let me help you this morning. We're going to go some scripture. Let me help you get the perspective this morning that Jesus wants you to have. And not what the world is trying to propagate. The world is working hard at painting the most bleakest picture it can. And every politician that steps up to a podium to give their speech is the savior of our society. I love that. Really? (laughs) Uh, I think it was... Some of them that caused the problems that we have, <laughs> but the fact is, is anyway, I'll let God sort that all out. But the fact is, is so. Let's let's get into the message, get into the Word this morning. Uh, you, if you, whatever you have, if you got an electronic instrument, you can light it up at this time. If you like me, I like to carry the old analog version, or once you have to open this up, there's no place to turn it on. Just open it up, look at the pages this morning. But let's let's get into the Word of God and, and enjoy the the, the 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 not only the knowledge He gives us, enjoy the revelation that God will give us, because it's not just about reading. Anybody can read, uh, but we read the words. But to get the truth from that, uh, to extract the truth and the revelation that God wants us to have, not for yesteryear, but for today. Yes. Okay, I mean, this, we have probably six, over 6,000 years of, 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 of testimony. and, 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 and of, called, we, This is the Word of God, by the way, this, uh, not just man's uh, writings or author. But this is the authorship of God that He gives to us. We have 6,000 years of writing, but guess what? It's still relevant for the time we live in right now. So this is the Word of God. No, no mistake about it. This is what we believe here. The Bible is the Word of God, yes, plain amen. and simple. And we take it and we treat it as such, and we listen to it as such, as God's instruction for us, because God wants us to succeed and not fail at anything. Right. Amen? amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Succeed with Him, fail on your own. Amen. Praise the Okay, praise the Lord. <clears throat> anyway, um, well, let's get let's get started. I, I put in my I'll give you some of my notes first, so we start off this into, as a kind of introduction. I, I was talk, thinking about the renewed mind this week. Uh, it, renewed mind is just we sometimes we have got to change our thinking. It's a matter of changing our thinking. Uh, you don't realize, <clears throat> but there have been people in your life, <clears throat> from parents to uh, teachers, uh, pro- college professors, whatever uh, the news media that has influenced your belief system. We all have a belief system. is all what we believe. And that belief system seems to be our golden calf, doesn't it? I've I've talked to people, uh, just Irish people, and talked to them about Christ and talked to them about hell, and and, and, and they're quick to say, well, I don't believe in hell. Oh, well, you don't believe in hell? Oh, well, excuse me then, because you'll probably never go there because you don't believe in it. Like belief is going to change something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not about belief. Let's see the perspective of what God said about hell. What do you do? Anyway, we're not preaching about hell this morning. That's, that's not a very popular subject, is it? But the thing is, is what we believe sometimes comes before the forefront of what God actually said. So what happens is we read the Word of God, and we let that change our minds. By changing our minds, getting into our hearts, understanding, meditating on it, it can change our belief system That gathers our life. Let's put it simple. It says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As we think we are, that's exactly what we are. So if you see yourself in society as a victim, you're a victim. However, if you see yourself in a situation rising above, you're rising above. I don't care what people say around you. It doesn't matter. Amen? Amen? But the fact is, 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 as you may, so I think in my heart, this is how I think in my heart. I think in my heart I serve a loving Savior who has protected me, watched over me, and He and He's still to this day and wants me blessed. The Heavenly Father wants me blessed more than I want to be blessed. Now, I'll testify about me because you get t- ticked off when I tell about, about you. But, if, so, but uh, more than we can ask or think. Is that what the Bible says? Amen. He wants to bless us more than we can ask or think. Door, guys, door. Door. <clears throat> Thank you. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, we never mind, but you got the door. Don't leave them out in the rain or the cold. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, so that's taken care of. Amen. All right, so, so where did I get? Okay, uh, so I wrote down some notes I want, I want to tell you. Uh, I, I said this in my notes I said the renewed mind lives from heaven's perspective to earth rather than living from earth to heaven. <clears throat> so basically, we get, come to Christ, we get our, our minds renewed. And then what happens is in, in, in the renewed mind, we don't no longer think or should think from earth to heaven. Here's what about every religion that I know tries to do it tries to get something from God to here, to us, right? So this is religion. I, 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 I have a need. I have a, 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 you know, there's a need. I got something. So I need, I need to, to call on my God who is in heaven or above me and get what he has here to the earth. That fit about any religion you can think about? I'm not talking about just Christianity. I mean, any, any, even, even paganist religion, uh, we sacrifice, we do this, to get something to come down from, from heaven to us. Everything is like that except one thing, God. God did it the other way. Matter of fact, he's taken everything he has and put it into the earth. When we have a heaven's perspective, we're not down looking up. We're up looking down. Amen. So we're looking down on our problems. we looking, that's no big deal for God. No, no, no problem for God. i get through that. Anyway, let me go on. I, I, I put this. Here's the, here's the problem in a nutshell. Here's what, where, where, we can, where we can change some of our thinking. Never lower your expectations to the level of your experience. Never lower your expectations to the level of your experience. Amen. Because basically, what you'll start to do, you'll start to judge God according to what you think and according to what you know, yes, sir. and by that you cut your, you cut cut your own your own blessings off from yourself. So, anyway, so let me go. I, I started looking at different scriptures. I said the renewed mind is the best way to demonstrate God's will. I want to talk about God's will this morning. The disciples were following Jesus one day. Uh, this particular part is in Luke, then I'm going to shift over to Matthew chapter 6. But the fact is, is they said this, it says, Lord, now, I, this, is, this is what I see. The disciples are following Jesus, and they were noticing that there was a connection for the miracles and everything that Jesus did. There was some kind of connection. They were trying to make a connection. How does this man do this? There's something that he does. So um, uh, we're students. We're disciples. What disciple means a student. We're watching our, our master, a uh, rabbi or whatever they, they, they perceived at the time. Uh, so we're watching this guy, and we notice he does something, and then he comes out of that something, and he comes over here, and somebody's healed. And, and, and he, he does something over here, and he comes out of that something again, and the dead is raised. Blind eyes are opened. And he's see, they're seeing a connection here. That Jesus does something. Now remember, Jesus was God, but he was man. He laid aside his deity to walk as men to show us how to do it. <laughs> Basically, to be our example. Okay, so it shows how to do it. So, so they're, they're, this is what they taught them. He was teaching them. So they're you're looking. So they finally come up with this conclusion. Mm-hmm. So they said this in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, probably Peter, (laughs) just saying, uh, Lord, teach us to pray as John has taught his disciples to pray. And from that, uh, I'm going to go over to Matthew, because Luke has a shorter version. I want to go to the longer version, which is in Matthew. It's in both Gospels, Matthew and Luke. uh, But but Matthew says in verse 6, and Jesus says this in in verse 9 of Matthew 6, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father, and then stop right there, In this manner, Pray. We have taken this prayer, it's known very well, and we have called it the Lord's Prayer. Can I suggest to you this morning that the Lord did not pray this prayer? Because He didn't have any sins or debts that He had to to forgive (laughs) or be forgiven of. He was sinless, correct? So what He was doing, He was saying, okay, I know what you're after. Here, I'm going to tell you now, get this straightened out in your life first. And then all these other things can be added unto you. But until you get this one point fixed. Now what was, in in this we call the Lord's Prayer, which I rename as the Apostles' Prayer. As far as I'm concerned, it's an Apostles' Prayer. It's for apostles and people like us. (laughs) It's it's man's prayer. It's what God has given us. But he says this this, in this manner. He didn't say, say these words. He said, in this manner, like this, this or something this but in this matter, you're going to get your relationship straight. You're going to understand who the Father is. You're going to understand what He's doing here. You're going to understand the connection between heaven and all this in this one little statement that He makes. Let me go ahead and read. In this matter, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed means holy. So first of all, stop. First verse. He gets a, This is our Father which is in heaven and he's holy. What does that mean? That means he's our father, so the relationship between us, I'm talk, now I say us, I'm talking about the congregation or, or believers, is no longer, well, I'm clergy. Y'all pay attention. I've got the education, education. <laughs> so I need to be respected because I'm clergy. And you're, uh, 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 you are a congregation. So we have a relationship. No, no, no. Church isn't supposed to be corporate. It's supposed to be family. Now, we're brothers and sisters, and we have one Father. One Heavenly Father, I should say. We have fathers, but one Heavenly Father. So what does that mean? It means the relationship has to change before all the things that the disciples saw that Jesus was doing, they were going to be involved in. The relationship and the idea in our brain had to be adjusted to understand the relationship, and it's still about relationship today. The Father isn't looking for your wish list. So that he can be your storefront Santa Claus to give you everything on your wish list, what he's calling for, he wants the best for his children, and he knows how to get the best to his children when his children are obedient. How many were obedient children with their parents? All the time you're obedient, right? All the time. I I shared a story the other day when I was when I was just a kid. uh, My my dad says uh, he says uh, I'm gonna uh, I was doing good and doing things. He said I'm going to reward you. I'm going to get you a, a horse. Your own, your own horse. My dad was was grow, grew up with horses. He was a horseman. He was a very good horseman. And he said, "I'm going to get you a horse." And all of a sudden, and I was—I don't think I was eight, maybe ten years old. I was just a young kid. My imagination just went wild. My father's going to buy me a horse. Was a the horse there? No. But my father's going to buy me a horse. And my father says it's going to happen. When dad says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But mom might object. Now, nope, don't matter. Dad's going to rule. And I wouldn't let my mind escape from anything but looking towards the day of that horse. I just wonder how the years would go by and things that impress upon us. And my dad said, He said, now, he said, the horse is coming such and such a day. It was a couple of weeks. So it seemed like eternity for a little kid. And I had the saddle, I had the bridle, I had everything, but I had no horse. We had the yard, we had the barn. My dad built the barn, and we had the barn for it, we had everything, everything but the horse. And anticipation. Now, he says, son, he says, well, that horse comes. Now, he, I mean, he was at work, so I'm not going to be there. This was in the summertime in the school. And he said, they're going to deliver the horse. He says, you do nothing with that horse but graze him all day long. He said, here's a brand-new halter. Put the brand-new halter on the horse. Here's a rope, and you lead him around the yard, and you let him graze all day long. While he's grazing, I want you to brush and clean the horse. Well, this was not in my dream. And if the horse drops something on the lawn, don't leave it on the lawn, because it'll burn the grass. He says, put it, scoop it up, shovel it up. So this is what I did until my dad got home that night. I brushed, I grazed, and I shoveled. <laughs> Looking at this horse, this fine, magnificent animal, and I pictured myself on the back of this horse because my father brought the horse. But my father was also smart enough to know. Uh, he used Oh, the horse shows up, to a side and just go have fun and run off with your buddies and just have a good time. He knew better. Because basically, everything had to start out as, as a beginning, had to start, and it had to be a training process to the things that he was doing. When Adam and Eve were created, he started them in a garden, but with the with, with capability to be able to reproduce and populate the whole world from that garden. But he gave them a garden first, didn't he? The whole world was theirs, the whole horse was mine. But before I could implement from going from kid with imaginations and still uh, uh, playing cowboys and Indians and whatever you did with your kid and everything else, he had to bring in the maturity so I would not get hurt with that same uh, animal that was supposed to be a blessing. So I got home. I'm waiting for my father to get home. He draws up the driveway, and I said, all right, Dad, I want to ride the horse. I've been working hard all day. I did exactly what you told me. Can I ride the horse? He says, you absolutely can ride the horse. He says, you can take them around the yard about two or three times, you can put them in a barn. In the, around the yard? I said, can't I go over to the field? I mean, we live out in the country. I, mean, I, I No, no. I said, I had dreams of just riding off into the sunset, you know. And my mom and dad looking at me so proud that I was riding off into the sun. No, no, no sunset. Take them three times around the yard. And he says, oh, by the way, so I go get the saddle. I'm dragging the stuff out. He says, he said, what are you doing with that? He says, this is my earthly father who had wisdom. He said, no, 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 no. He says, you learn to ride without a saddle. He says, then you get the saddle. I said, but I have the saddle. He says, you're not going to use the saddle. You ride the horse first bareback. He says, you put the bridle on him, he says, so you can control the horse. And he said, when you learn how to balance yourself and can stay on a horse without falling off, (laughs) he says, we'll graduate you to the saddle. From the saddle, it went to the trails. From the trails, it went to the, uh, horse shows. From the horse shows, it went. But it was, it was a progression. Can I get back to the Lord's Prayer for my story? Because my father cared about me. My earthly father cared about me. And I've never been hurt, seriously hurt. I mean, you get stepped on sometimes and, and pushed into the barn. But seriously, I never got seriously hurt because my father taught me how to be a good horseman. And I, I, would, I would help other people with their stubborn horses that didn't want to do those things, I would help break them so they could uh, enjoy And I help, actually helped uh, neighbors and stuff around that had other horses uh, said, because of what my father taught me. I get back to this, the prayer. It says, it says after this manner he says, pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Okay. We got the relationship down. He's a heavenly father. He's not a heavenly king as far as uh, uh, commanding us to do what he's going to do as religion will teach you. He's not a father who says, ah, go do what you want. You know, I want to be one of those cool dads and let you just go ahead and run wild. No, he doesn't, do that because he loves us enough to care for us and knows that would be destructive. We would destruct our... Did you ever notice that your flesh is trying to destroy itself through pleasure? Did you ever notice that? We eat all the stuff. All the stuff that we like to eat is not good for us. Did you ever notice that? So if we let the flesh run wild, it will self-destruct. Poof. It just, I mean, one day it will just, just blow up on us. I mean, this is it. Uh, for, the, for this love of comfort. Uh, let me get back to my message. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Your kingdom come. Now, here's the part I want you to understand as a church. This is a heavenly mandate. This is not just a suggestion, but this is a heavenly mandate. Are you ready for this? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Jesus says. Here is the key to the power that that, that you resent right here where you live in the physical. This is a supernatural power, and this is the key to the power. Okay? Your will, God's will, the Father's will, the Heavenly Father wills for us to act this way, to, to, to be commissioned this way, if you will. But he wills for us to understand that on earth, the same will of our Father, our Heavenly Father, is the same as in heaven. Hallelujah. Now, I've heard it preached. Is there sickness in heaven? No. So should be, Then it's God's will for people to be healed. Uh, even though we see sickness and disease and people not get, being healed, uh, it's never God's fault because He's done everything. us it, some lack of deficiency on our part. I'll give it that. But the fact is is, 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 this is what He says. And this is the only God that you will find out of all the false gods that we worship today in, 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 in the world. This is the only God who actually came down and brought the will from heaven and brought it to us through Christ. He came to us with His power presence and with his purpose all the other gods demand something from us to give to them yes, praise the Lord Amen. so this is the same so understand something this is what we believe here at covenant word church this is what is, is what the gospel says is we believe God's will is the same as in heaven okay does God like music in heaven then he must like music in his church He must like music. And so from that we understand the principles of worship and praise and everything else and how there's a healing process in the worship and praise. It's not just coming to church singing a song. I'm sorry and I apologize if you were brought up that way in religion. But understand something. We can change and transform. I was also brought up in religion. But we can change and transform our thinking, can't we? we So this is what, what we're talking about. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Can I can I pay on that? Because you, I I could go around the room. I bet you don't have a clue what it means. Well, yes, I don't know what it means, Pastor. It means the daily provisions, does it? Is that ex- is that exclusive? In other words, it means daily provisions. Bread, we eat. Food, I got it. I get it. How many here like food? Yeah. And I'm mentioning food right before lunch. I know, but we like food. No, but uh, you look up in the in, in ancient times. A lot of things words have symbolism. Bread is one of them. And the symbolism of bread is a symbol of share. Are you ready for this? I'm not sure. Are you really ready for this? This is going to change some things. But the symbol of bread is for sharing. It's about sharing and the Word of God. Jesus said this. He said, I am the bread of life. Right? So, so it's not just something we consume... But bread is something that Jesus took and he broke and he shared with his disciples. Not just with the communion, but he broke it and shared it. So he's what he's telling me. He says, daily, this is our daily bread. Daily, give this our daily bread. Daily, let us, Lord, share. Daily, let us, Lord, share your word. Daily, Lord, let us share the Word with ourselves. Daily, let us meditate on your Word. Daily, daily, every day, let us think about the Word. And this is what he said. Now, wait a minute. He's giving the keys to the disciples on how they can function just like Jesus is functioning. Amen. Praise God. Are you here? Amen. Then he says this. This is where it comes out of the Lord's Prayer into the disciples' prayer, or the apostles' prayer, however you want to look at it. And for, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Hmm. Jesus didn't have any debts. One version will say trespasses. Another version will say uh, sin. Forgive us sins as as those who sin against us. Forgive those who sin against us as we we have sinned, and so on and so forth. Amen? Forgive our debts. And lead us not into temptation. Hmm. God isn't the one that leads us into temptation. Why? That's a strange thing for Jesus to say. Why? How you have never thought of this before? <laughs> I like taking th- things that we think are common to us that we know all about and, and sharing some revelation. Least not temptation. Listen to this: the word temptation in the Greek means this. It means trial of man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and consistency. In other words, he's saying, "Lord, we pray that we we never forsake our fidelity, our integrity." our virtue, or our consistency. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that even felt good to say. Hallelujah. Amen. Consistency. Amen. I, I, I feel better already. Thank you for letting me preach that. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what it means, the word temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. Now we're getting into the heart of the things, aren't we? It's that stinking devil. If we could just get rid of the devil, if I could take him, wring his little neck, and throw him to the side, it would be great for me. (laughs) If we could just get rid of the devil, we can solve all our problems. That's a big statement, isn't it? If we could just get rid of the devil, we could solve all our problems. How many would say that's the correct answer, true or false? Who said false? You'd be absolutely right. Because the devil can only tempt, he has no power over you whatsoever. If you're a born-again believer, he absolutely has no power over you. Well, it seems like he's wrecking my day because you're listening to him. And your perspective is not one from heaven because Jesus never listens to the devil. Can you picture our Father in heaven looking down today at our political arena, our economy, or whatever, looking down at the world and says, I don't know what the devil's going to do next, but I'm going to have to counter it. I don't know what the devil's going to do next, but I'm going to have to get in there and and stop it for my people's sake. But that's what we think. Oh, God, prevent this from happening. Prevent what happening? No, no, no. We should be saying, oh, God, what is your will? What is your purpose? Where where can we uh, see what are you doing in this hour? And I said I got two perspectives for the year 2020. I can see the destruction. I can see the death that we've had to go through in our family. I can see all kinds of things. I said, boy, this is one of the worst years I've ever had. I can see that. Or I can look at what God is looking at. I see people's lives changing. I saw our, our ministry leadership team work harder than they ever... They all got jobs. And they're working in the church uh, harder than they ever worked. They do it with a quality that I have never seen in ministry to this day. 33 years of ministry, I've never seen such hearts to serve God. And do it with a quality... Now, usually I can get people to do something, but I'm kind of a stickler for the quality of what we can do, at least the best we can do. I mean, you know, and I think we should give God our best all the time. We shouldn't give Him what's left over. We should give Him our best. Not leftover time for the end of the week. All of a sudden, by the way, Sunday isn't the end of the week. It's the first day of the week That's right. on our Hellenistic calendars. So if you want to really get that, we celebrate the first day of the week. Now, right. if you're Jewish, you'll celebrate the last day of the week, Shabbat. Okay, but if we're not Jewish. We're, we're, we're Christians, so we celebrate the first day. of The week what? The day of resurrection of our Christ. So we even call it the first day of the week. This is a start of your next week. Forget what you did last week. This is a start of your next week. Today it's brand new. Brand new. Like the wooden wife says, brand new day, never been used. <laughs> and going forth with it. But it's looking forward. It, it, <clears throat> the thing is, is in creation. He created it was the, the Jewish people look the earth was dark in creation and God spoke light so the earth moved from darkness to light so their Shabbat goes from sundown to sunrise from darkness to light but we have we have a new sun as far as Christianity well we the, the Christ died on and he rose on the first day of the week so it, the darkness again went from dark to light but we celebrate the light more than we celebrate coming out of darkness. And praise the Lord. What's another message? I can, you know, light, dark, and all this stuff. But anyway, this is why we, why we do what we do. He said, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us. In other words, the evil one's going to come, he's going to bind you, and God's going to come down with his sovereignty and deliver you from that. And he's given you a name that's above every name. He's given you the power, and he's given you the right to pray. That's a right that was given to you. In other words, use my name. In my name cast out devils. In my name In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. In my name, in my name, that name is the rights to the authority and the rights to heaven. Right here on earth, God's heaven will is done right here on the earth every time somebody says, In the name of Jesus. And when they say, In the name of Jesus, that is our right being implemented and going forth. That is it right there. Praise the Lord. We got to look at this thing a little bit differently. I know they take this and they engrave it on little charms and stuff like this and we get, you know, stick them on on your, the Lord's prayer, the Lord's prayer. No, no, no. This is the Lord's idea and how we're supposed to pray. (laughs) This is what he's given us. All the keys into this. Are we we learning something so far? All right. I haven't got to the meaty part yet. (laughs) These are just all things you probably have heard before. This is going to get to the meaty part. He says, but deliver us from the evil one for yours, Deliver us from the evil one. We put a period there, okay, but it's not the end of the thought. It's still the same thought. Let's put this together. Deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom of power and the glory forever and ever. Why well, do you say it that way? Deliver us from the evil one. In other words, the evil one is trying to put across to you that he has the power and is his kingdom that you're in, and you are stuck. But he said, no, 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 no. Deliver us from the evil one. Your kingdom is the kingdom of power and reign. Your kingdom is the one with power. Your kingdom is the kingdom we serve. Your kingdom is the one we bow to. And no other kingdom will we bow to. Now we say kingdom. Kingdom is not me to drink. Jesus said kingdom of God is at hand. He said, but it's not me to drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. How many Christians have you seen righteous, peaceful, and joyful? We might get the first one all right when we get the blood of Jesus, but are we still peaceful and joyful? Oh, come on. Praise the Lord. The enthusiasm here this morning is overwhelming. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's what he's talking about. And through the kingdom of God, is that, and through that, he says, power and glory. When we can get the peace of God and the joy of God in the midst of circumstances seem to be miserable, that's power. What's power? That's the power that delivers from the enemy who's trying to make you miserable. So you sit there, and the devil wants you to have a bad day. He's trying to put everything against you, and he's mounting up the problems. He's playing on your mind, and you're sitting there saying, no, I get the peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I'm not biting. There's nothing he can do to you. There is nothing he can do to you if you're going to stay in joy and stay in peace. There's nothing the devil can do to you. That's the deliverance part of this this model prayer. Can you imagine Paul? I think about Paul. Paul just blows my mind. The Apostle Paul, he's in prison. He gets beaten up for preaching the gospel. He's thrown in prison. It looks like a bad day. Paul don't look, think, think it's a bad day. He just says it looks like another day for God to come through. He says, Silas, start singing. Let's see what happens. Starts singing. He didn't know what happened. He didn't have prophecy of earthquakes. He just said, let's start singing. Let's give him praise to God. We're in the prison. Why should we praise God in a prison? We've been falsely accused. They don't even know you're a Roman citizen. Oh, they'll find out soon enough. But let's first, before I get into the legal, legal matters, let's just praise God. And they start praising God. All the prisoners start, oh, say it louder so everybody can hear you. This isn't a secret religion. This isn't a secret fan club. No, let's, let's, let's pray it out. And as we hear, and God just began to shake that prison. Shake that prison, and it was a wobble so bad that those iron gates doors started flying open. The prisoners in there were more scared of the earthquake and what was it. They didn't leave. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what, what was going on. So basically, as the prisoners shaking, what's happening? God is moving. Paul says, we're all here. Nobody move. We move, that man dies. That man's not going to die. That man's going to get born again. I'm going to baptize him tonight. And then we're going to be back here in the morning when the magistrates come down here to release us. Oh, really? Preacher? <laughs> are, you, are you serious? Serious. And Paul sat right there. He said, don't do any harm to yourself, because it was a, a Roman law. If you, a prisoner escaped from you as a Roman soldier, you killed yourself on the spot. Your life for the prisoner's life. That was it. He said, no, 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 don't harm yourself. We're all here. Man fell at Paul's feet, so what must I do to be saved? See, that's the kingdom of God. He was more concerned with the kingdom of God than getting out of his circumstances. He was more concerned about the kingdom of God and somebody else's soul who would, would have killed him in a heartbeat for escaping, but he was more concerned about that than it was his own physical comfort. There was something that the apostles had. There was something that this generation had that we have missed over the centuries. They were willing to give their entire lives. The church would be persecuted beyond measure. They had this, they had this scripture down. They knew what it meant, like your your will be done as it is in heaven. In other words, they had the uh, impossibility. Listen, uh, you can't do anything to me because I'm heaven-owned. And they had that attitude. And what happens, the heart of the Romans persecuted the church and sent them to, to to lion's den and the martyrs, the harder they martyred, the more people turned out. Are you kidding me? In today's society, in our we get a pandemic and we get all scared and we, and we hide in our houses. They were persecuted. They were beaten. And 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 killed, sent to the lion's den, and they lined up singing praises to be martyred because it was a special gift and a special honor to be martyred because I did not bow to your world systems. Mm-hmm. That's a tough thing to swallow for us today, isn't it? Because we're used to our comforts, but that's exactly where it was. Paul said and he says all the things that I have accomplished in life—not in, in that scripture, but in another scripture—all the things I've accomplished in life. I was a Pharisee, I was a son of a Pharisee. He said, i got the best schools, the best education. I've been rich. Because Paul said, it. he said, I, I, I've abounded and I've been a base. He said, no matter what I find I find contentment. But he says, all the things that I acquired in the life previous to Christ, he said, I consider dung, a manure pile. doesn't mean anything to me. But all, when they went to march him out and take him to the chopping block to end his life, he says, I've run my race. I feel good. I'm going home. They had a different perspective because they really understood what kingdom meant, what God, kingdom of God is here right now amongst us. This isn't the message this morning. I'm talking about heaven's perspective. If we can change our perspective, we can change our destiny. But here's, here's the key. Are you ready for the key? Amen. Come back next week. No, I know I do that every Sunday. I Get you on the edge. Here, here's the thing. Now, we say amen. We think amen means the end of a prayer. Amen doesn't mean the end of a prayer. We say amen at the end of a prayer, but it does not mean the end of a prayer. What amen actually means, it means I understand and I'm willing to carry it out. That's all it means. It's a continuation word. It's not an ending word. It's a continuation word. Hmm. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, Thank you. That That was a good revelation, Kevin. I mean, that was really good. Hallelujah. All right. Now he comes into verse 14. That's the end of verse 13. We say, okay, that's the Lord's Prayer. In the, in the scripture, we all got it, Pastor. We go home now, we're good. good. No, 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 you haven't got the meat of the word because here Jesus is about to give you the key to how this prayer works. This is how it's all going to work. And he goes on to verse 14. He says, if you forgive men their trespasses or their sins or their faults or the things they did against you, he said, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Uh-oh, there's a but coming. Oh, there is. It, it, oh, verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your trespasses. Amen. Hmm. So for this thing to work, this is the key of the prayer. For this thing to work, it don't matter what I pray, I can believe this, I can say this, I get the daily bread, I get the, I, I, I've been delivered from the evil one. But if you're still holding grudges and you're still holding unforgiveness, nothing's going to work. Yes, because without the Heavenly Father's forgiveness, now, I remember uh, growing up, and I remember my dad, and I mentioned, give you some that tells me, but I was a dad, and I had a son, have a son, still, still, still have a son. And um, how uh, many know that no matter what Eric is, my, my, my oldest son, my, Eric, whatever, what he does, no matter what he does in life, no matter how he believes or just doesn't believe, whatever he's fault the example he's followed uh, that I've given him or hasn't followed what I've given him or, or whatever uh, uh, whatever he's a he's still my son. Always be my son. Nothing will ever change. He'll always be my son, no matter what, right? But how many know that sons and fathers can get in and out of fellowship? Hmm. I was always my son to my father, but I noticed if I did what my father didn't told me not to do, if I deliberately went against him, we were still related, but I had a broken fellowship. I says, when you can, when you can make this right, he said, "Well, you know, we we can go on with our relationship." And we don't. When, when my dad was a very forgiving man, and he was a very hardworking man. He worked construction. Uh, I'm am about fifth generation. I was a fifth generation construction worker. That's where Jesus found me, and we worked in the construction field. And uh, this was all in my my DNA, and when I married Diane uh, in her DNA, too. <laughs> the construction worker, the construction worker. Matter of fact, my father actually worked with her grandfather, my wife's grandfather. Uh, so That's So we, we know how to build things. We know how to do things. But basically, when the rule of the house is the tools in the house were not, uh, until I got old enough and learned how to use them, he said they weren't to be touched. That's kind of strange to have your father tell you not to touch the things that uh, uh very, come very natural to him and and different things, but no not touch i said well it, teach me to use them so i can go ahead and use them properly so i can graduate and then my dad did once he taught me how to use the tools i i, I have never i have never lost a finger on a saw <laughs> just kidding hallelujah and stuff like that. Well, my father wasn't trying to restrict me because he didn't like me or because we're out of fellowship. My father would restrict me because he was concerned for my safety. Our Heavenly Father, how much more does our Heavenly Father love us? He's not trying to deprive us, but we've got to understand something, that he has a will for our life, and in that will is our safety. In that will is our preservation. So when he says, get into the kingdom... And begin to relate to each other as you relate to in the kingdom. It doesn't become a, a, a hardship; it becomes a safety. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the church has been around when my family wasn't around. Not, not at the fault of my family, like they neglected me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when Diane and I got married. We were young, and, and I had to hit the road to find a job. Pack my wife and two kids into a travel trailer and go across country and, and, and hit every job I could uh, to, to make a living. That's the way it was back then. Uh, we had a big recession going on. It was was bad. And this what we did to make a living. So I had to leave my family. I found out when I got into Christ that church became my family. So I never saw a church as an organization. I'm sorry, you do. But the fact is, I never saw a church as an organization. I always saw it as family. However, uh, family can be... Irritating sometimes. <laughs> I had to slip, slip that in there. Now that, that we have common ground, don't we? <laughs> how, many have, how many have a crazy uncle? Now I'm not talking about the body of Christ crazy uncles. Oh, there might be, but how many, have, how many have a crazy uncle? Raise your hand. See that? Look at it across. They I mean, all got crazy uncles. I had three Eggy, Ziggy, and Bub. <laughs> I kid you not, that was their names. <laughs> I had three crazy uncles, maybe four. I forgot about Bobby. Anyway, <laughs> my family, they define the term of crazy uncle. When somebody says, Do you know what a crazy uncle is? Oh, yeah. I got three or four, five, six examples, maybe. <laughs> But the famous ones were Ziggy, Eggy, and Bob. <laughs> what kind of names? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, you got some Irish and German and Swedish and stuff mixed all into the same thing. Praise the Lord. So you get all a mixture of names. Uh, thank God that uh, I have a new DNA now. <laughs> I don't follow the DNA of my crazy uncles. Amen. I follow the DNA of what Christ has put into my, into my life. Aren't you glad for the same thing? <laughs> Hallelujah. I gotta, okay, I've got to preach. Hurry up because Jesus comes soon. Praise the Lord. I, I, I said this to the leadership team uh, because this really stood out to me this week forgiveness. Until we can get this forgiveness down, we can't go on. There's nothing we're going to gain. I said, You know what? I said, we, we, we baptize people all the time. I said, We're still baptizing. I mean, this, this past month, we've had two water baptisms uh, this month. And we talk about. The baptism of repentance, which is Acts chapter 238, which is right. You repent, Peter said, repent and be baptized, everyone, uh, in the name of Jesus. And he, said, he also said, uh, when, Jesus said, when you baptize, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we baptize in both names. But, uh, because I believe the Bible from the, from the table of contents to the maps. I mean, the whole thing is, 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 is ours. Uh, so so but we baptize. And, and what Elder Skip is the one that sits down and talks to people about water baptism. And we mentioned we're repentant. So I asked the elder, I said, do we ever ask people about unforgiveness? What better time would be to get rid of unforgiveness as we dunk you in the waters of baptism? We'd drown them suckers. No, no, not the people. No, 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 not the people. I'm talking about all the, all the wrong things we got. No, no, don't drown the people. Oh, Lord, help us. No, no, not that. But, you know, get rid of all the things, Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the biggest barriers we have. And some people go on and don't even realize that they have it until you hit a nerve, bring up a subject, talk about something, and all of a sudden it flares. Where did that come from? How many ever seen that? I've had it happen in my life. Where did that come from? Man, I, got, I thought I took care of that. See, we get the assumption because we did everything God says, we recognize the Heavenly Father. We 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 know heaven, uh, God's will here is on the earth as it is in heaven. We know all this stuff, and we got it all down. We forgive our debtors and temptations, but then he says it again. I guess the forgiving our debtors is not the same as holding on forgiveness, because he repeats it again. In the next verse, he says, he says, if you forgive men of their trespasses, he doesn't say this trespasses against you necessarily. Can you forgive a person for how stupid they are sometimes? <laughs> I heard a joke one time as it talked about it says, it says a, a, a dead person uh, does not know uh, that they're dead. It only affects and, and, and affects the people around them. And the same thing for stupid. <laughs> they don't know that they're stupid. It just affects anyone. Anyway, praise the Lord. Amen. But, but the thing is, yeah, I mean, and he's so. I said I, so. Uh, Elder Skip wrote down some notes. He said well, you know, we don't do this on water baptism. He said we're going to start doing this. He says, as a person, do you have any unforgiveness towards anybody? It's always between you and God. And, and but if we can release unforgiveness, I can see where all these things now are possible. Now all of a sudden, the kingdom of heaven becomes closer to us. Mm-hmm. The heavenly Father has new meaning Amen. because what happens now to have the forgiveness of the Heavenly Father, if I'm reading this scripture correctly and determining it and rightfully dividing it correctly, when we get the forgiveness to the people, uh, whether they ask for it or not, it doesn't matter. It did not affect them, it's affecting you. But when we forgive that now, and only now, can we claim the forgiveness of the Heavenly Father. Wait a minute, he says he'll, he'll take your sins from the east as far as the west. Yes, when we do it his way, this is his way. And, I mean, Jesus gave the parable. Remember the guy who was, who, who was forgiven the large debt, million-dollar debt or whatever it was you know, in our day's finances, and then he, he went out and he, and he couldn't forgive the guy of the $20 debt, and, and he, wanted, he had him put in prison, and so the guy who, who, who uh, came back and retook his promise away from him and, and and put him in debtor's prison. Amen. It, it, was, it, was, it was void because basically he, he was relieved and happy for the great debt that was relinquished from him but then refused to forgive the smaller debt that somebody owed him. So you see this is the principle through the Bible that Jesus preached about. I believe it's a key. Yes, I believe it's a key. Not only that, I see Paul carry this through. And I'll give you another scripture real quick. It says uh, 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 10 and 11. It says this is what it says, a uh, New King James uh, version of the Bible. It says, "Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive." For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Now listen to what he says in verse 11. He said, least Satan should gain, take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And what does Paul mention as Satan's devices? Unforgiveness. He says, I'll forgive anybody, and I'll forgive before you. I'll forgive before God, because I'm not ignorant of Satan's devices. In other words, if I hold unforgiveness, let me preach it the other way, if I hold unforgiveness, now I'll open up myself to Satan coming in and using as a device, my unforgiveness can be a device for the devil to use against me. No, we got to be quick to forgive. doesn't matter. Well, that person is just an idiot. Well, we were idiots one time. You can educate an idiot. Sometimes I mean, <laughs> it's a broad brush, I realize. <laughs> but the fact is, it doesn't matter. It isn't about what they do. It's not even about what they do to you. It's what Satan is trying to get to you to do. As far as I recognize, Satan hasn't showed up to my house, knocked on the door in a red cape and, and horns and a pitchfork. No, he's come by... Re- uh, but, salesman, <laughs> 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 vacuum clear salesman, that's how long ago. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, this is, this is how it comes. I mean, the fact is, is, he doesn't show up that way. Satan still works through people and uses people, that's what he does. So what happens is his trick is to violate us in some way to where we cannot forgive. Now I realize there's some horrific sins that have been committed against people uh, for just being innocent victims. But what happens is you hold that unforgiveness, you're going to be an innocent victim again. Only this time it's going to be a spiritual uh, vindica- uh, victim and with no vindication. Amen. Right. How are we doing so far? Amen. Praise the Lord. God's will, getting back to God's will for our lives, has reason and purpose. Satan does not. It only has kill, steal, and destroy and destruction. Amen. God has reason and purpose. God will likely be slow to show you his plan if he knows you will, you will likely not do that plan anyway. I've listened to it. I've gone over the years, and I've heard people tell me a lot of times, I say, I just don't hear God's voice anymore. Did you, did you hear it before? Yes, I used to hear it and recognize it very well. Now I just don't seem to hear it. I said, well, for yourself, do this. I said, just try this little exercise. It's not calisthenics, but just try this little exercise. I, I said, think back to the last thing he told you that you accomplish it. Because if God has spoken it and you will not honor it, he will not speak it again. Because basically, he's already said it. And that's what he wants us to do. If we cannot follow that particular thing he's called us to do. So this is what, what I do. I mean, I, I've, got, I've got it on, on, on a little jump drive. I've got all my prophecies and different things over the years. And a lot of times I like go by and look through those. I have also transcribed and read through those things. Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Because I want, that, I want to keep that continuing relationship. But the fact is, 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 is not, it's not that God doesn't have anything for you to do. Is he can't give you the next until you've done the previous. Now, a lot of times that previous might just be asking for forgiveness. Lord, I blew it here. I I missed opportunity. There's no opportunity here. Can I start fresh? Yes, you can. And with that forgiveness, or, or, or confessing that fault, God will give us forgiveness. Through that forgiveness, you'll hear his voice. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Now, people that aren't trained on hearing God's voice, this is going to seem kind of strange. You mean, God can talk to you? Yes. Read your scriptures. So what happens then? Seek God's will and plan through obedience, prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit. That's what you have to do. You have to seek God's plan, plan uh, through obedience. You have to be obedient. If you can be obedient with the small things of God, he can trust you with the greater things. Maybe you're not moving on to greater because he, can't tr- he hasn't trusted you, he can't trust you yet with the small things. People are trying to serve God their way instead of what God wants them to do. That's what won't work. It won't work. I, I know. I, I'm talking from experience. I'm not, I'm not preaching down. I never preached down to anybody. Um, what you hear me say is from experience. But every one time I, I got offended in the church. I walked out of the church. Nine months later, I was still out of the church. Oh, I went to church. I went to another church. I didn't go to the church where God planted me because that was, they, they were too hard. I like this, and I make excuses and all this. And they're this kind of church or that kind of church. I things, and and basically, uh, I, I noticed that I couldn't hear God's voice like I used to hear God's voice. I was an elder in that church. I was in leadership. What had God been to do? So one time, I, I just had enough. And my wife was so happy. She says, "You were miserable." She said, "We we, we couldn't uh, us and the kids didn't want to live around you uh, when you weren't serving God." And I didn't realize, I didn't realize the changes, I changed it. I felt free. I'm free. Oh, free from off this burden. I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to you know, answer this to anybody. I don't have to do, deal with this. I don't have to listen to this person's pain in the butt problem. I'm free. I'm free. But I wasn't. I was bound, and I was bound and didn't realize it. I got on my face one day before God, and I said, God, I says, I, 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 I repent. I'm sorry. Whatever I did, i got to hear your voice again. i gotta, I got to have your presence again. He said, then go back and make it right with the man that I set you under. I, what? Right before that happened, there was an automobile accident. My wife was driving. I want to make that point. <laughs> I was in a passenger seat, and a guy came out and T-boned us, wrecked our van. I got a little van. So put it in a body shop, in a body shop. That's when God told me to go talk to my pastor and make it right. So here's what happened. I had to drive up. This is the days of prosperity and the prosperity message and the word of faith message and all this other stuff. So God was going to see to a I was humble. You know how Jesus came into Jerusalem on a burrow? That burrow would have been an upgrade <laughs> from the car that the body shop had loaned me to drive until my van was, was completely repaired and it had the sign uh, down the side of the, painted by the way, not magnetic, painted sign down the car, uh, advertising the body shop, so everybody knew if you're driving that ugly Ford Fairlane, uh, you know, uh, white with red interior with that big old sign, you, 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 you had an accident, and they got your car, and that's the only car I had. I couldn't afford anything else. I couldn't afford a, a rental car, you know, I was still working, so I didn't, I had a company truck, to those to, uh, electrician, I had a company truck, so I could drive the work of company truck, but then go to the church. All I had was that car. Because the company rules, I couldn't use the truck for personal, and so, so I had to park at my driveway. But as I get in the car. So I said, I got a plan. I'll park at the far side of the uh, end of the park, nobody, where nobody else parks, because it's too far from the door. They don't want to walk. So I park way over here. And I'll, I'll do it on the evening service when there's less people. I had it all figured out. I'll get it done, though. I pull up into the parking lot, and first thing, here comes the music team the, the, uh, driving his Cadillac. Pulls right up next to that car, and he sees me get out, and he's on a puzzle like this. He says, Kevin, is that you? <laughs> yep. Nice ride. Where did, where, where, body shop, what happened? Before I even got through the front door, I sat through the entire service, I waited for the pastor to get done. I said, Pastor, may I speak with you? I, I want, can I talk to you? He says, yeah, I guess so. Come in. So I told him, I said, I, I want to come here. and I want to repent and apologize for how I treated you. I said, how? I, he said, you didn't ever treat me bad. I said, I left you. And I said, I got in with this other group, and I talked behind your back. And you were a man of God, a God who sent me here. I said, I want to repent and apologize. That is when I was restored, and that is when God began to speak to me about the ministry. Not until then. I had that call for four years that lay dormant in my life until I got that one thing straightened out and showed respect to my pastor. My pastor didn't even, no idea, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't bother him. He said, of course, said, you'd be forgiven when you walked out the door. He said, you're forgiven. He was a gracious man. His wife is sitting there crying. My wife is there crying. I, was like, I said, well, I didn't mean to upset anybody. I said, but I just got to get it. Uh, I need to hear from God. And I said, the voice is not, not there anymore. So you see, there's more to it than just praying and doing what's right. And, 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 and people don't see that. One last scripture. I'm going This is my last closing. Is this the third one? You get three, it's an American way. But anyway, this is last, I promise, this is my last closing, but I want to give you this, Psalms 34, verse 8. You can look it up and go, that when you get home. It says, that this is a David's psalm. I love David's psalms. Oh, I look for David's psalms all through the psalms. He, is, he was a fantastic uh, author of these, of these songs. He says, it, says, it says this in verse 8, uh, Psalms 34, verse 8, he says, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him, That's old King James. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Taste means to experience. See is a perspective. In other words, experience God and get a different perspective. Experience God. You don't, we don't see this stuff. And we a taste. I mean, how you taste God. It doesn't taste it like anything. How do, I, how do I see him? He's invisible. No, no, David had it down. And he said, right, taste, experience God. He says, then, he said, get a perspective of what God is and where you're at and what you see and where he's at and what he can give you and where you need to give up and where you need to come in. Because this is the day and the hour that this has to come, this is going to come about. Because God is just sitting in heaven. I can just see him ready to pour out another fire of revival and, 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 and reformation to the earth. The earth is prime for reformation right now. Reformation affects culture. Revival affects our soul and spirit and individuals get people born again. But reformation affects culture. Amen? Amen? God wants to affect not just our minds, our souls, and our living. He wants to affect the very culture that we live in. Praise the Lord. Amen? I'm looking forward to it. I didn't even get to Gideon and them. I'll give you real quick. Gideon, I remember Gideon. Gideon had a problem with with who God was saying he was. Okay, you ready? Compare that with Jonah. Jonah had a problem. He heard from God very clearly, but he had a problem obeying what God told him to do. Peter. Remember Peter, the disciples? That was just Peter, Peter, and John, but the fact is Peter. Peter understood what God wanted him to become. Gideon didn't understand what God wanted him to do, how he could complete what God called for him to do. He was honest with God. Jonah was the worst little little bugger because he understood. He heard from God and refused to do it. Anybody know anybody like that? Refused to do it. God had to prepare a fish and had to go through that, the way of the fish and, and, and basically had one of the biggest miracles that's recorded in the Bible. The saving of an entire city, that was 120,000 people. One message. Oh, I like to preach that message. One message, and he turned an entire city, Nineveh, which was a population of 120,000 people. But Peter, Jesus is on the, Peter's just taking care. He, everyday life, he's cleaning his fishing nets. He's there, and Jesus walks up. He says, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. In other words, he didn't say, follow me and I'll get you to do something. The church is trying to get people to do something. No, no, no. New Testament, following Jesus. Don't get to do something. Become something. Amen, become what he's called to become. It gets back to purpose. It gets a plan for his life. How many got something out of the message this morning? I got to stop. I got more, but I, I, you know, I can go on. We'll be here next Tuesday. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So how many got something? How many are blessed this morning? This is the best direction I can see for the church right now. This is the best direction for the church to take right now is to start looking at becoming what God has called us to become. Amen. Now, the good news is Gideon finally, after he, with fleece and all this other stuff he put out there, he finally realized. Do you know how he finally realized? Do you know what really set Gideon free? You're going to laugh. God says, I'm going to tell you, to get, get, get rid of this doubt thing. He said, Here. I'm going to let you sneak down to the camp of the enemy and listen to what they're saying. All of a sudden, he's in there, and he's listening, he's listening, and the guy came to the, to, the, to the king, and he says, listen, he said, I had a dream, and, and I saw the barley loaves rolling down the hill. Barley loaves. I'm thinking pizza. <laughs> uh, anyway, barley loaves rolling down. And he said, and, and, and it hit our camp and wiped out our camp. He said, what do you think it means? He said, no, it means one thing. He said, those barley loaves are Gideon. Gideon's coming for us, and Gideon's going to wipe us out. When Gideon heard what the enemy was saying, he went back and he got new courage. He got new courage. He said, man, they're more afraid of us and we're afraid of them. Let's go get them. And God gave him a plan. He said, everybody get a a shofar. He said, get a light. He said, and we're going to break that clay pot. Isn't it so like God to use something like a clay pot? In other words, break the old man that clay pot and let the light shine and the enemy will run and turn sword against one another because that's exactly what they did. They killed each other off. And that's all I'll tell you. It turned around, that one little thing, he just had to hear what the enemy was saying. He goes, oh, geez, this is, this is going to be easy. No kidding. That's what God's been trying to tell you way back at the, you know, in the wine press. Fresh and wheat. He was trying to tell you, mighty man of valor is what God said. God never changed his confession over Gideon, but Gideon had to change his mind about Gideon. God never can change his confession over you, but you've got to change your mind about you. Hallelujah. You have the enemy on the run more than you think he has on the run, but he can't tip his hand, he can't show his cards because the only thing he has is deception. The devil will never give you truth, he only has deception. Praise the Lord. I was riding my bicycle in the neighborhood, and around my neighborhood, and I watch a guy come out. He's just a homeless guy come out. I thought he was just a homeless guy. All of a sudden, one day, I, seen it, I see the guy every once in a while, but I'm riding my bicycle, doing an exercise thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm bored as it is. I'm just praying to God. All of a sudden, I walk. It was just this week, I saw this guy come out, and he's got the white paint on, white paint around his nose, like this. I said, huh, not in my neighborhood, you're not. What does that mean? It's voodoo. He had the voodoo makeup all on. I said, in the name of Jesus. I bind every lousy voodoo spirit in the name of Jesus. Not in my neighborhood. Right here on our little island that he called paradise. <clears throat> we got kicked out of the real paradise. Now we're stuck here. <laughs> Let's stand on our feet. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that little, uh, uh, the fourth closing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many really got something out of the How many can see now? We can, we can turn things around. How many can see it? Praise the Lord. Come back next week. I'm going to show you a whole lot more. Praise the Lord. Uh, and, and, uh, pray, and, but, I mean, this new year coming up, I see exciting things. I really do. So when, when everybody's done with their gloom and doom prophesying, come here. We'll, we'll give you the true word of the Lord with the Lord, Lord's perspective on it. So heaven's perspective is very important. Get a hold of it. Ask God for it. He'll give it to you. He really will. He'll build you up. But here's the building up part. It's not just on your shoulders. The building up part is also on the shoulders of the church that you attend. It's our responsibility too, because when one part of the body is weak, the whole body is weak. So we want to strengthen you through the messages. What are we going to do? Pray for you any way we can. Uh, uh, we're here Tuesday nights. We're here Saturday nights. Last night, uh, uh, you know, and and uh, uh, Jess' mom, we're praying for Jess' mom, and uh, you know, it's got the doctor's report. It doesn't look good. I said, no, no. In the name of Jesus, we're bringing heaven to earth right here. In, in the name of Jesus, we're not we're not moved by reports. I don't stop praying for the dead until the caskets closed. Amen. I'm serious. Uh, if it goes that far, and I've had to do this in my own family. Okay, but the fact is, I, I don't. I, I, I don't. Why? Because life given. I don't care. And I don't care the age of the person. My dad was 96 when he passed a year ago. Okay? My dad was 96 years old. I didn't care. I, 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 I regret I didn't hear from his voice that he wanted to go be with the Lord. He was an elder in a church for ever since we started this church. He was, he, you know, I love my dad, but I they, they had him drugged up so he couldn't talk, and I and I, and I'm and I'm sorry to this day. I was, got a call four o'clock in the morning. I ran over to the hospital and he'd already passed. Okay, but I never stopped ceasing to pray for my own dad. In, you know, in, in the hospital. And he'd been in the hospital before. I mean, he'd get this bronchitis thing, and, and, and it wasn't COVID or nothing. He did the bronchitis thing, and he'd get it every year in the wintertime. And he'd be in the hospital for a few days. They'd clear him all out, and he'd be out. So we were all expecting Dad to come on home, 96 years old, oldest living in our family today with my dad. But I, I, I don't know. I, I said, boy, if, I could only, if the church was only I mean, the church could have been, been together, and, and, and we could, I could have seen it there. Why? Because basically, you know, it was my dad. But then a heavenly father spoke to me. He said, I'm your dad too. He says, I never leave my people fatherless. Amen. He says, your dad's with me. He said, now time to move on with the ministry. He said, don't let the devil take people before their time. He says, use the power and authority. If we won't show forth the blessings, then who will? If the church refuses to show forth the power of God, then who will? Yes, Not out there. Amen? There's the term knucklehead bear witness? <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, no, God is depending on us as a church. And there is no such thing as a small church. Two or three is all you need that Jesus reduces to a t- point of strength by saying two or three. If two of you agree any- anything, it'll be done. If two or three, two or three is, he is the third part in the same verse, he where two or three are gathered, I'm there. It only takes a third person for Jesus to show up. But where two people agreeing, it's going to get done. Peter, James, and John, the sons of thunder, had all of Jerusalem all upset, just three men all against the Sanhedrin, against the the, the Pharisees, everybody could not refute these three guys because they walked with God. Not in religion, they walked with God. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the patience of these people. Let me get this through this message. Father, we have a wonderful church here. I love it. And while I can't say good enough, good enough, you have blessed us in abundance, and we thank you, Father God. Now bless everybody who's heard this message this morning whether by live stream or by in the church itself. But, Lord, bless them all. So, Father God, that they can have the freedom that you've given us as your heavenly Father. Amen? And, Lord, help us to forgive, please, please, please. Lord, let us get the forgiveness thing down. I don't care what person has done to us. Let's free ourselves. You're not freeing them from debt. You're freeing yourself from debt from unforgiveness. Lord, we need your forgiveness. Father God, we need your forgiveness like we never needed it before in the name of Jesus things are happening, more opportunities of sin are happening. Father God, we need your forgiveness in the name of Jesus. We accept Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we ask you to accept him right now. Don't even procrastinate, put it off. Right now, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen? Praise the Lord. Say a simple prayer. Lord, I just uh, ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. And Lord, lead me the guise and pass the righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and we thank you for it. And everybody said? Yeah. God bless you. Hallelujah. You're a terrific church. Wonderful.